you know, after school activities, all that fun stuff, even on weekends. But then traffic started getting really, really bad, right? And I was sitting in traffic and I wound up missing like a school play because mm-hmm. I was sitting in traffic and this, this thing just kept mounting. I had to figure out a way where I could still train and focus on the craft, but still not compromise family time. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I looked into helicopters and be able to get down and back in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when it started. And so my routine was always the same. Waits early in the morning, kids to school, fly down, practice like crazy, do my extra work, media, everything I needed to do, fly back, get back in carpool line, pick the kids up. And my wife was like, listen, I can pick them up. I'm like, no, 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 I I wanna do that. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, you have road trips and times where you're not, you don't see your right. kids, man, right. you know? So like every chance I get to see them and spend time with them, even if it's 20 minutes in the car, like I want that. You know, after school activities, all that fun stuff, even on weekends. Stone on air. Welcome into the show. It is a Wednesday when this is first available. January 29th, 2020. This is the Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. Thank you so much for finding the show. Um, you know the big news and not just sports but in celebrity all the way around is Kobe Bryant and the helicopter crash and um, I know a lot of big fans of Kobe Bryant I know a lot of big fans of the NBA the Lakers and it's, it's times like these when you it's it's difficult to put things in perspective and what you're supposed to care about, right? Okay. Not just Kobe Bryant died on Sunday. Eight other people did as well, including his daughter. You know, people die all the time. And um, we don't have nonstop news coverage about it. Are, are certain people better than others? Are certain people more important than others? I mean, the latter, yes. More Certain people are more important. Are people better? I, I don't know. And I'm just going to kind of have a mortality conversation with you here in this first segment of this show. Less about Kobe himself, less about the NBA, less about uh, the Lakers, and more about just you know the realization of one's mortality. And um, this will probably be a shorter show than normal. I think I don't even I, I quite literally don't have a show sheet. I wasn't going to do a show this week, except for my SoundCloud account runs out soon. More on that here in a minute. So I wanted to get a show in this week and I wanted to just have a few words on this. And then the second segment of the show, I'm going to talk about the connection you have with the president or the candidate that is just to the opposite side is so impossible to understand. And I'll get into that more as uh, we hit that second segment. No notes on that either. Uh, I'm just going to let it roll as long as it takes. Hopefully not that long. It's kind of late. 10.30 on a Tuesday. 
January 28th. This is available on the 29th. January jumped up and ran off without me. Just like that. Boom. That's a snap. I don't know if you can turn that. Can you hear that? Snap. I can't snap very well. Um, Just like that. January's gone. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. January. Gone. And we'll do that again in February and March and April and May and June and July and August and September. And then next thing you know, it'll be uh, election time at the end of the year. Of course, the impeachment hearings are going on. I'll touch on that on the second half uh, of the show. Just just for a brief minute. I will not spend much time on it at, at all, I promise you. Just a, a quick update on what's going on with the show and the overall logistics of it. I was finally able to get the... The website domain transfer over to my guy, uh, Lord Taco, who helps out, or excuse me, not helps out. He's the uh, he's the captain of the executive producing ship of the What Podcast with Barry and Brad, my dear friends, and they're doing a lot of good work with that podcast. And I I want uh, I want him to help me, not to the degree that they need it, because I can do a lot of that myself too, but just a little bit more than I was getting from my former. Um, hosting a website, uh, webmaster, whatever the hell you call him, uh, Dylan.Dylan. And I hope he still does voice work for me, but he might or he might not. I'm, that, I'm not worried about that. But he finally got that moved over to, to Taco, so I'll be able to start hosting everything at stoneonair.com as opposed to SoundCloud. SoundCloud's going to run out here in uh, a week or so. I don't remember exactly when. I'm not paying them any more money. So this will be the last time you download the show from SoundCloud or certain ways, but it, sh- it should still be available on all the regular apps and all the same places, and then additional places like iHeartRadio, I'm hoping to get it on, like uh, Spotify, which I've had difficulty getting my work on to Spotify, and I'm going to have uh, Lord Taco help me out with that. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I thought that it might be difficult and that uh, I might have gotten some resistance from the other side who was mad that I was taking my ball and going home with it or whatever and I was already gearing up to do a podcast uh lighten the whole situation up contrary to popular belief I don't like uh, confrontation I don't like negative results I don't like uh having to you know get on here and expose somebody for being uh awful or being difficult to deal with I mean if it happens then I'm okay with it I would rather everything be smooth sailing and good all the time Truly, I really would. And in this case, this all worked out really well. And so I thank everybody involved for making it uh, a smooth transition. And hopefully uh, the the local show is going to be going at the radio station here sooner than later. We've had some personnel changes that I'm not going to get into, but it is made for trying to get smaller stuff like I'm trying to do over the quarter. It's kind of like, yeah, we'll get back to you on that one later, dude. And I understand that, and I'm fine with that as well. But I've got those domains as well, and... We'll go from here, and uh, there you go. So that's kind of where that stands right now. But so the weekend rolls around. I'm getting ready to do uh, a, a, some segments. I'm going to make it home while I record the Grammys for the radio station, Alt 98.7 here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, I get stuck watching the Pro Bowl for a few minutes, and there's a lot of Titans in it this year. So I went ahead and continued to watch it. It was just boring. It's just a boring Sunday. But it did start off with the news of the uh, helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant, the basketball player. I know I'm a big sports guy. I really am. I mean, I love sports. I don't really care about the NBA all that much. Uh, I never was a big fan of Kobe because I've always been a Michael Jordan guy, and now I'm kind of a LeBron guy. And uh, it, 
I dismissed it as it not being that big a deal at first. I don't know why. Just being cynical about it, I guess. Because I don't really, I didn't care about Kobe Bryant as a basketball player. I didn't care about him as an entrepreneur. I didn't care about him as a, a famous resident of Southern California, even though I admire, you know, the state of California all the way around in a lot of ways anyway. And I tried to dismiss it as it was no big deal. And in the grand scheme of things, I, it's not as big a deal maybe as it's just being poured into social media. I guess my biggest thing is, is that all human life to me is very, very precious and very, very important. And I know the immediate pushback, brushback would be, all right, whatever, dude. Yeah, you know, you self-absorbed, SOB, whatever. But I I don't care about much as far as like, I I wish the best for you. I hope you have an equal playing field, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time caring about average ordinary people. But when a quote-unquote celebrity, when a legend dies unexpectedly, if they're not somebody that I connect with immediately, eh, I don't I don't put a whole lot of uh, time or thought or effort into it and then just sometimes cynically say, okay, well, what about all these other people that died over here? What about all these tragedies? Oh, yeah, I know the Fallen Five died over here on Amnicola and Lee Highway, but what about the six people that died on I-75 in a tragically horrific accident because of negligence, drug abuse, and and unlawful activity. So am I to believe that because these children, in some cases, teenagers and adults, and I'm talking about the 2015 crash in Ottawa on I-75, because they couldn't play basketball well, that their death is not really that important? I'm just using that as an example because it's something here close by. You can insert your anecdotal situation here. And I get both sides of the argument. I understand that, that yeah, actually, somebody who is, is as inspiring as Kobe Bryant was to not just a country, not just a culture, really in the sense, the world. Because the NBA is a global sport. And he was the best player in the world for, I don't know, what, 10 years at least? Maybe, you know, 8 to 12 years, whatever it is. And so, yeah, I guess the answer to the question is he is more important and his death is more impactful. And at first, I have trouble with that. Like, oh, oh wow, just somebody, yeah, somebody died in a helicopter crash. First of all, the hell is he doing in a helicopter? Well, we heard on the front end. I don't remember where I found that, but that, that was a little heartbreaking. That kind of brought me back around like, oh, that's why he was doing that. And an operator error killed him and ate other people on a Sunday morning. And um, the more I think about it, the more it does bum me out. Apparently, from what I can tell, he had really turned himself around as far as, as in, what I mean by that is he was, he was really, he was arrogant. He was, you know, my way or the highway. And a lot of his, uh, the way he conducted himself as a younger person, 20s and into his early 30s as a player, because he was able to command that kind of uh, demands. Like, he was uh, that good that he could be however he wanted. He could try to say, I don't want Shaq here anymore. I'm demanding a trade. Or there's the other stuff that's happened in his personal life that is questionable too. But I'd, I'd dare any of you to go back and look at 18 years ago and how awful your crappy judgment was and the stupid shit you did. You don't, I mean, we're not defined 
by what happened to us at a very young age. And 21, 22, 23, 24, that's a very young age. It was 20 years ago. And I'm talking about the thing out in Denver. I'm not even going to go down that road. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. If you don't, then go read up on it if you'd like. But I, I got to thinking about what about my heroes? What about the people that I adore and cherish if they just suddenly died? What would that do to me? And I got to thinking, my, I mean, with the Pearl Jam show coming up here soon and the new album and a little bit of relevance this year, because certainly many years at Pearl Jam's not doing anything and they're dormant, they're not relevant, but they are right now. What if I woke up and found out that Eddie Vedder had died at the age of, he's 55 right now, let's just say at 55, or at 49, or at 37, or whatever these younger ages that in, in the day and age we live now of incredible medicine, especially the celebrity types that have all the resources and money and insurance and doctors that it takes to stay healthy, if, he, if I were to wake up and found out that he died, I would probably bawl my eyes out. I would probably listen to Pearl Jam for a week straight or a month straight or a day straight. or I don't know. Here's what I would do. I don't know what I'd do. I got to imagine it'd be devastating. And so everything I just said about, well, you know, everybody dies. People die. die. Death is tragic. It's not all the same. Perception's different. And I need to learn to understand that and apply it better when I, um, especially when I initially think, say, th- or think about things, and I didn't get on social media and act like a, you know, show my ass or act like a, a, an asshole at all. I, I, I didn't. I learned my lesson on that a long time ago. But as I, I'm going to wrap this segment up pretty quick. This will probably only be about a 30 minute show or so. I'm not, I'm not interested in, in dragging this out all that long. But I guess my biggest takeaway from all this is the same thing that I think a lot, and I mention in passing. Here and there over the years, I don't know if I've done full segments on it or not, but I've certainly uh, in passing mentioned it, if nothing else, over beers at the bar or something, is that life is so precious and it can end at any minute. And we all, every one of us, take this for granted so badly. And the older I get, I mean, I'm 40 years old in two months. Or is that right? Two? Yes. Two damn months. I mean, I it's starting to hit me. I'm starting to realize shit ain't just always going to work out. Eventually, you're going to get sick. Eventually, you're going to have a major medical problem. Eventually, you're going to die. And the innocence of youth can last so long. We call kids, you know, curmudgeons say, oh, he's 21. They're calling him a kid as a grown-ass man. No, 21, 20, 18, 22, that ain't grown-ass men. That's inexperienced young kids who have no fear of dying. They have complete invincibility in their minds, and they are foolishly wrong and foolishly ignorant. And it takes so long for the culture that we live in America, certainly from my socioeconomical, cultural background, it takes so long for me and my types to understand this. And even the most experienced and intelligent people in of my peers, of my contemporaries, I still regularly see people who don't value, to me, value life as much as they should because we all are still a little arrogant and just kind of flippantly go throughout life because a lot of us have it good. And a lot of us, a lot of us assume it's always going to be good. 
when you finally come to grips of your mortality, it uh, it's humbling and it's scary. And so many things that I uh, am staunch about and make a rant about, and oh, there goes Brian just being, you know, himself. He wants to. He just doesn't want to be annoyed today, right? He wants to have a. a as coast free of a life and get out of my way. I'm tired of all this nonsense. I'll use uh, my rants on, on driving and how unsafe most people are and how nobody seemingly takes safety on the roads very seriously. And to me, it terrifies me. I'm not just mad because it's irritating when I drive to work and some numb nut, you know, is in my way or is, is cutting me off or whatever. I'm worried about dying on the roads I'm terrified of the interstates. I'm terrified of bodies of water. It's such an easy place to die. Uh, flying, this helicopter thing, it was a great, I mean, very wealthy people. Los Angeles, terrible congestion. They're taking helicopters to bounce around, and operator air kills an entire uh, helicopter full of, of people. Roy Halliday, the pitcher for the Phillies and the Blue Jays, who was just out flying his plane recreationally, just got a little too cute, killed himself. I have uh, my best friend of my girlfriend. Her husband is a recreational small engine pilot, and he's con- constantly trying to get me, hey, let's go up for a flight. And he showed me pictures and GoPros of his sh- flying around in a small engine plane off the, I don't know, wherever the hell they, Hickson or College Dale, wherever the airport is. You kidding me? I'm not going for a joyride in a small engine plane with just some friends. I mean, you can say I'm not living, but I mean, I think we can look at my track record of my life. I've I've been living. I'm just not going to do things like that anymore because it scares me to death. Uh, I, I have a phobia of heights. It gets worse and worse. We go to the, uh, not the Georgia Dome, but the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They have this massive escalator that goes up. It's crazy high. If you were to fall off of it, you're guaranteed absolutely dead. I mean, it, it's safe. It passes all code and inspection, but just looking over the edge almost paralyzes me with fear. And it's not because I'm a scaredy cat. It's because I'm so wor- danger. I'm so concerned and worried about dangerous situations when for two and a half decades of my life, maybe even three and a half decades of my life, danger didn't concern me. Dangerous situations were stuff other people had to deal with, not me. And that's foolish. And that's old age. And that's wisdom that makes you understand that you never know. Any minute next, your best friend, your lover, your mother, your kids, your cousins could all be in danger and have their lives lost because of negligence. And it scares me. And the biggest thing for me is, personally, from a faith-based mindset, from um, an overall practice of beliefs in my personal life, is I, I have one life. I have one life. When I'm gone, when it ends, if it ends tonight I wake up dead, or it's 40 years from now, I'm dust and bones. There are no second chances. There are, there are no do-overs. There's not a reincarnation. That's not what I believe in. I And I, I truly, staunchly believe that. That this is it. This is what makes me value life so much. I don't need a greater deity spirit 
to give me a reason to live, to give me a reason to be to be better, to be good, to be better than I ever was, to live life to the fullest. I don't need that. What I need is the vulnerability of the one life that I have. That's important enough to me. That means everything to me. I'm not going to wake up dead in another dimension and get to do this again. I only get to do it once. And it scares me, but it's good for me. I believe it puts things in perspective the way that I need them. And many other people don't believe that way. And that is fine. It's not about being right or wrong. It's not about trying to preach a message. It's about trying to be more self-aware and understanding about the limitations and the realities of any of our given lives. And I am terrified of dangerous situations in my older age because I value my life and everybody's in it as much as I ever have. And I don't take it for granted nearly as much as I used to. Coming up next, the base of the Donald Trump movement, the MAGA types, are so fiercely loyal. What seemingly is impossibly loyal makes the opposition, which I am certainly a part of, cringe, makes us confused, makes us perplexed, bewildered. But when I take my blinders off and I stop using revisionist history and I go back to look at the early portion of this decade, and the late portion of the first decade of the 21st century, in a way, it makes more sense. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone On Air podcast for January 29th, 2020, and I will try to make more sense of all that coming up next. Stone On Air will be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. StoneOnAir.com I think it's easy to be cynical and just say, you know what, it can't be done because Washington's designed to resist change. Uh, But in fact, there have been... Periods of time in our history where a president inspired the American people to do better. And I think we're in one of those moments right now. I think the American people are hungry for something different and can be mobilized around big changes, not incremental changes, not small changes. The truth is actually words do inspire. Words do help people get involved. Words do help members of Congress get into power so that they can be part of a coalition to deliver health care reform, to deliver a bold energy policy. Yeah, don't discount that power, because when the American people are determined that something is going to happen, then it happens. And if they are disaffected and cynical and fearful and told that it can't be done, then it doesn't. I'm running for president because I want to tell them, yes, we can. And that's why I think they're responding in such large numbers. I'm about to make a million bucks Cause you know the song is catchy as f- Take me for a ride out to This LA. is Danimal Planets Lavender is involved Maria Jordania If I said her last name right Tim Cofield directed it It's a few years old Three or four years old now I'm about to make a million bucks Cause this song is catchy as fuck Local stuff. Played it primarily to remind myself to mention to you, if you haven't noticed or followed along on social media, that Strung Like a Horse, which Dan Pinson, close personal friend of mine, uh, and one of the best musicians this city 
has seen in a long time. He's the bass player of Strung Like a Horse. They're in London. Um, at this point, when I'm recording, it's going to be morning time there. So they're probably going to be heading back to the States sometime today. I'm just totally guessing, but just how cool. It's a true success story of Chattanooga local music when everybody runs around and acts like, you know, oh, let's check out all these great bands. It's Nick Lutzko, it's Dan, strung like a horse, and it's from a, a professional standpoint of premier acts, something that actually has a chance to go somewhere. The list is pretty short, but I'm a champion for the local scene, and I will help every, every chance I get to uh, to help out and to promote and to push because I'm a fan. I'm I'm uh, I, I, I'm less of an advocate and more of a fan that has a little bit of a voice that wants to help and use it because I love this city and I love uh, I love music. So go from there. So um, that was the um, that was President Obama before he was president. Clearly, as he mentioned, that's why I'm running for president. Um, before I, I guess, before I dive into that, Super Bowl coming up this weekend. I've, I, I literally have a piece of paper that I've been writing down with magic marker here as I go along to make sure I don't forget a few things. Uh, Super Bowl is what um, the Chiefs and the 49ers go 49ers, but don't really care either way. I just want to see the Chiefs lose because they beat us, the Titans, and it was heartbreaking. And I would like Falcons fans to have to watch their offensive coordinator, who is now the head coach of the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, who lost the Super Bowl for them what is now three years ago. I want them to have to watch him get a Super Bowl. If I have to be miserable, I want everybody in the Southeast to be miserable as well. So that's coming up this weekend. All in all, one of my favorite days of the year is the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter who's playing. It's a fun day to spend time with friends and family, eating and drinking, and watching football. It's uh, I don't know how anybody couldn't enjoy that. But I'm not going to spend much time on this one as far as from a political standpoint. Uh, I will just mention quickly the uh, the impeachment hearings are driving me batty the little tiny I've taken a look at it. And the only time I have taken a look at it is during Brian Williams' show, as I've mentioned in the past. I haven't watched any of the hearings, any of the, you know, Adam Schiff's or whoever else has spent all this time doing whatever the hell they're doing. I don't care. Donald Trump's not getting removed. Senate's not going to, you know, vote him out or or acquit it or, or whatever the hell it's called. It's, it's, it's like a trial, but it's not. It's like a trial where all the jurors get to go and talk on TV and, and do magazine and internet podcast radio interviews every day. And that doesn't seem weird. It's, it's like a trial, except it's none of the actual rules of an actual trial in the United States. Of course, in a lot of ways, there's no real evidence that Donald Trump has broken any laws. So in the sense, I guess it shouldn't be a trial like in a criminal court. I don't know. Here's all I do know for sure is that I am starting to kind of remember where I was a decade ago and how much excitement and how bought in I was. And I'm not, I'm not apologizing for it, and I'm not ashamed of it. But the Obama movement grabbed me. It grabbed me a lot. I grew up as a child and a teenager of the 90s and uh, appreciating the little bit of politics I understood back then, which was virtually none. 
And then 9-11 and George W. Bush for an eight-year stretch from the time that I was 21 years old until I was 28 years old, 20 to 28. And that changed everything as far as where I went ideologically, either you know, harsher to one side or the other. I was already where I was going to be. I, I, I love a, a, a text or a message I was sent, I think it was via MySpace, from Letitia Wolf, my dear, one of my oldest friends, and she said, and it's the ultimate compliment, you always were who you were going to be. And you can look at that with negative connotations if you want, as in you never change, you never evolved. That's not how that, that what I consider a compliment was supposed to mean. It was you always pretty much knew what you wanted and where you were going and what you believed in, and, uh, and you haven't wavered from that outside of just uh, evolution of those thoughts. And that's kind of where I was at at that point. And I was like, I am so fed up. I am so done with this administration. I'm so done with George W. Bush and Dick Cheney and all these evil, disgusting, awful people. You know, warmongers, terrible people, un-American, all these different things. And um, a lot of that's just not fair. It the, the, the American political system reacts to their constituents. I've said this over and over again about, you know, the constituents are the dumb people, not the representation. The representation just dumbs themselves down to the constituents. And so I, I saw this the other, or when I was bouncing around trying to figure out what I was going to do with this show, and I listened to it for a minute. It's no big deal, but it got me thinking more and more about where all the MAGA types and this, you know, F your feelings and just kind of screw all you, you lefty commie bastards that super hardcore base, I I can't identify with them, you know, per se, not not specifically, but I can start to understand where they're coming from. And this is what reminded me of that. It's one of my favorite bands, the Foo Fighters at the 2012 Democratic National Convention. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Foo Fighters. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. And I think this song makes perfect sense here tonight. Too long now to talk about. This song is called My Hero. Now, in 2012, I remember very, very distinctively thinking to myself, I really hope Barack Obama can win a second term because I don't want him to be a flash in the pan and that the history look look back on this as a bad idea, as a little blip on the radar screen of something that just some yahoos decided to get on board with. I truly, I truly meant that. I remember where I was watching 2012 election night, thinking, oh my God, oh my God, we just have to win again. We just have to win again. Because my priorities in life were different then. And I know that was just, I mean, what, eight years ago now. So that wasn't that long ago. But I was diehard for this man, and I still am. I adore President Obama. I adore him. I have several copies of the USA Today in 2008 and 2012. 
election night both nights. Um, I really, really do. I, I almost said idolize him, man. I don't really idolize him, but I do adore him and love him and think he did an incredible job at a time when America needed it. And there are certain people in our, you know, world, in our culture, in America, that feel like what's happening with the MAGA movement, the Trump types, the Trumpism, Trumpification of America, they truly believe, just as strongly as I did then, now that this is that important and it cannot be ignored and it cannot be misunderstood. It has to go forward and it can't slow down. We have too much riding on this. We're working too hard for something that we will not give up on. And a lot of that is genuine, true, real feeling inside the administration, inside the walls of the White House and the Pentagon and everywhere else. I think it's more just about keeping the power, keeping your 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 finger on the pulse of where America is going right now. And I do think we're getting a little more deranged each generation and each couple of uh, decades and from this to that to the other. I don't know. Am I, was I wrong to be so excited about 08 to 10 to 12 to 14 to 16, that whole eight-year stretch? I was excited. I adored the man. I, I voted for him, and I loudly unapologetically, unabashedly said, I love this man. And that's what is happening here on the other end. It's just the opposite. It's just opposite day. It's just uh, ideological parallel universes. And I shouldn't be overly mad about that. I don't guess. I don't agree with it. I never will support it. And I never will vote for it. And I will always at least... Maybe not over the top loud, but at least somewhat clearly say through whatever mediums I have to express my opinion, I'll always show my opposition and at least try to do it with some respect. But I kind of get it. I, I get it a little bit more. I get it because if if I was sitting there watching the Republican National Convention and there was a song that was similar to There Goes My Hero which is a stupid song, by the way. I love Foo Fighters, but it's just a dumb song. If it wasn't for that football movie, what, Varsity Blues? You know, nobody would care about it. But anyway, if I was sitting there watching that and all my ideological views were being stomped upon and then the person walks off the stage and a band played a song like There Goes My Hero, it would be, it would be, I'd be nauseous. I would be nauseous. It would make me sick. I would not enjoy that. And there's something like that that's going to happen at the Republican National Convention this year. There always is. And this is none of this is new. I don't know. This is wild. What the hell is going on in life? What in the world is going on? Um, it is, uh, it's nuts. The good news is I am uh, overall happy. I'm enjoying myself. I'm working a lot. I'm making money that I need to make. I hope that stays that way. Spring is here soon. Summer after that, Bonnaroo, Pearl Jam, baseball, Super Bowl this weekend. It's hard to sit here and complain and be an asshole and be mad about things when um, 
at this time of year, things really start to, to, to go the way that I enjoy them to anyway. So I will wrap up the show right there. Thank you so much for finding the show. I really am – even I'll, I'll try to stay away from being too polarizing on this show. Lindsey Graham, guys, gals, Republicans, Democrats – this guy is a walking, talking fool and a contradiction. I mean, a walk. I need to use the, re, the Green Day song, Rejoin. Walking contradiction. I mean, no words that this man ever said before in his life, before Donald Trump world, matters. And I find that to be just disappointing, if nothing else. There's a whole Twitter account. I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's not fake Lindsey Graham, but it's something along the lines of insinuating how big of a lying piece of bleep that he is. He is, he is, he contradicts every word he's ever said in his life virtually every day. On the next show, I might uh, go down that road and, ex- and throw that audio out there just to have some fun. Not because I hate Republicans and not because I'm trying to be uh, a super partisan type here that just wants to piss off people. Just because, my God, how can you say things so often that you contradict so regularly? But that's the world we're in. What you used to say doesn't matter. Uh, words don't have the precedence that they used to, except for sometimes that they do. And that might be a whole other conversation for another day. All right, y'all enjoy yourself for the rest of this week. Hopefully by the next time I talk to you, I'll have the website a little bit more put together and have the hosting of the show from the website. Because if not, it won't be a show because the SoundCloud uh, subscription is going away. Love you to death. Y'all have a great one. Value your life. Value your friend's life. And understand that at any point, it can go away, and that's scary. But it also motivates me anyway, hopefully you as well, to live it to its fullest. You have a great week. Talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye.